0: Today's gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 4 to 26. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and have caught, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John and the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face on the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took, took what he had been la- lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. And this is the word of the Lord. We're going to continue on in our series on Lent, Understanding Jesus. And and, and today we're going to look at the message of Jesus from Luke chapter 5. And here in Luke chapter 5, we got three stories that seem to be standalone, that seem to be separate from one another. But in order for us to fully understand what's going on, to fully comprehend Jesus, we have to take these three stories and put it together together. And so today we're going to look at these three stories, and we're going to go over three points. We're going to see Jesus gives us sight, Jesus makes us pure, and Jesus offers us forgiveness. He gives us sight, he makes us pure, and he offers us forgiveness. Now we got a lot of text here, and so I want you guys to be patient with me. And I'm going to try to quickly move um, as quick as possible without missing anything. So uh, what's happening in the first portion of the text? In verses 4 to 11, we have Jesus calling his first disciples. And after Jesus is teaching in a crowd of people, he's on a boat with Simon Peter. He's on a boat with the Apostle Peter. And while he's on the boat with the Apostle Peter, he tells Peter to cast his net for a catch. You see, Peter was a fisherman, this was his profession. This, mean, this meant that his livelihood, his value, his worth, his meaning was based off of how much fish he could catch. But on his own, working and fishing all night the night prior, Peter caught nothing. But in the presence of Jesus, Jesus says to Peter, cast your net. And Peter responds saying, Master, we've worked hard all night, we've fished all night, and we've caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll do it. And so Peter and the rest of his companions and partners cast their nets, and to their surprise, they pull up the biggest catch of their life. Now, now this is an amazing thing here, because for Peter, as I said, he was a fisherman. And so his livelihood and his value and his worth was based off of how many fish he could catch. And here we see that he got the largest catch of his life. This was the pinnacle of success for Peter. Peter. And yet Peter isn't celebrating and outwardly excited. He's not jumping for joy, but he comes to Jesus and he says, get away from me. He says, Lord, for I am a sinful man. In this moment, Jesus realized that he was in the presence of God. That Jesus was a man of his word. That he does what he says. Jesus says, catch catch your net and you'll catch fish. And Peter caught fish. And so Peter realized that the claims of Jesus was true, that Jesus himself is God, that Jesus is holy, Jesus is righteous. And in the presence of Jesus, Peter not only saw his holiness, he didn't just see Jesus' righteousness, but he saw his sin. He saw his own sin. You know, when we meet or when we see somebody that we look up to, that we respect, that that we want to be like, what are we doing we're, we're, we're always starstruck when we, when we see people that we put on a pedestal. And essentially what we do is we take a magnifying glass, and we, we look and inspect that person. And we highlight and magnify all their good qualities, all their talents, all their gifts, all their abilities. But at the same time, we take that same magnifying glass, we flip it around and look into ourselves. But this time, we don't see our. We don't see our abilities, we don't see our talents, we don't see our gifts, but we see our imperfections. We see our defects, we see our deficiencies, our inabilities, and those become magnified. And usually what tends to happen is, in order to feel accepted, in order to earn acceptance from that person, we feel like we have to work our way up for it. We feel like we have to do better. we got to make something of ourselves. we got to be better. we got to become more like him. But here, what, what's amazing to see is that Jesus is not like any other person. Jesus actually goes to Peter, sees his sinfulness, and says, Peter, follow me. He says, I'll make you a catcher of man. You see what's happening here. Peter sees that he's far more sinful than he could ever imagine. But at the same time, he realizes that he's far more loved than he can ever dream of. On one hand, Peter is unworthy for God's love and God's presence. On the other hand, he's made worthy because of God's love and God's presence. You see what Jesus is doing here with Peter. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Here Jesus is is affirming Peter, validating Peter. He's not choosing Peter because Peter has something to offer Jesus. He's choosing Peter because Peter needs Jesus. And so this, this should be an encouragement for us. That in order for us to be in relationship with God, in order for us to experience the love of Jesus and the presence of Jesus, it was never dependent on how good we could be. It was never dependent on how righteous we can be. It was never dependent on what we offer Jesus. But it was completely dependent on who Jesus is. This gives us a... A opportunity to really look at ourselves, to, to look at ourselves deeply and honestly and not be crushed and crippled because of our sin. On one hand, we can see our sin. When we're in the presence of Jesus, we can see the depth of our sin. But on the other hand, when we see our sin, we can experience the love of Christ. And because we have the love and the presence of Christ, we're not so paralyzed and destroyed by our sinfulness. That's what amazing love is. Unconditional, not based off of what we bring and what we offer, but based off of the sacrifice and love of Jesus. Peter here sees his sin. He sees the depth of his sin. He's given sight. But he's not only given sight about his sin, but he sees the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, but also the love of God. You know, one thing that we value here at Metro, um, we often say that the gospel transforms us, the gospel changes us, the gospel is essential uh, to to make us righteous. But one of the most difficult things that I often hear from people is that um, they have such difficulty in changing and being transformed. And, and the first part of our passage actually speaks directly into that. You see, Peter. If we move forward to John chapter 21, we see a different response from Peter. And when we read Luke 5, we have to read John 21 because John 21 it mirrors the context of what's happening in this beginning passage. Peter is fishing, and he's he's down because Jesus had just been crucified. And he goes out to the water on his boat, and he says to his fellow disciples that I'm going to go fishing. And as he's in the water, he hears a man. And then he turned to the man and realized who was talking to him. He turned to the man and saw that it was Jesus. But only this time in John 21, instead of being frightened and afraid, what does Peter do? Peter runs to Jesus. He swims to Jesus. Change happens over time. But change is very much active over time. Peter was able to see God's love because he was able to see his sin, the reality of his sin. You know why we don't change? Because we don't think we're that bad. You know why there isn't transformation in our lives? Because we don't think we need it. And so here in the beginning parts of Luke chapter 5, we're given the beginning points of true gospel transformation, true change, true conformity of Christ and his character. Now, the conclusion of this first story, what do we see? We see... Peter and the disciples, they leave everything behind, and then they follow Jesus. Now, oftentimes I hear people interpret this part of the text and say, well, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit my career. I'm going to quit my vocation, and I'm going to live my life for Jesus. And I, I'm going I'm to become a minister or a preacher or work in some sort of Christian vocation. Um, but that's not really what the text is saying here. The text is saying that Peter was given sight in the reality of who he is and who Jesus is. And because he's been given that sight, he's then able to prioritize the things that's given to him in a correct manner. And so that means that your career, your job, your vocation, the very thing that you find your identity, value, and worth in, you're able to prioritize in the way that God has called you to prioritize it. Not above Jesus, but below him. The text is telling us that Jesus has to rule over and be king over all things in our lives. And Jesus gives us the sight to not only see our sin, but to see his holiness, his presence, and love. And then we're able then to have the the lenses to interpret the things in our lives in a correct manner. But Jesus doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just give us sight and and show us our sinfulness, uh, but he makes us pure. And and this leads us to our second point, uh, Jesus makes us pure. And the story in Luke chapter 5 transitions into uh, the story of the leper. And so uh, Jesus doesn't just give us sight to be able to see our sin, to be able to see our sinfulness um, and his holiness and his love, but he does something about it. He gives us the power and ability to change. He, 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 he gets into the messiness of our lives and doesn't just leave us where we are. On one hand, he accepts us. On the other hand, he changes us. And so let's take a look at what's happening in verses 12 and 16. We have a leper. We have a man who is covered in leprosy. And that word covered is giving a more fuller and clear description of what this man was experiencing. He was, he was covered with this skin disease from head to toe, and the leper was, was hopeless. He, he, he had no hope. We have to understand the idea of leprosy here in this text is not the same understanding that we have today uh, about what leprosy is. Uh, leprosy and, and skin diseases uh, can be treatable. They're curable in our, in our society today. But here in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, lepers were labeled as outcasts. They were labeled as second-class citizens. They were labeled as incurable. They weren't fixable. They had no hope. And they were cast out of cities and cast out of towns, away from society, away from people. And this, this leper pretty much breaks the law by entering into the city where Jesus was, To come and possibly get healing. And so the leper falls down to his face. And he begs Jesus, if you are willing, will you heal me? And here we see in this story that Jesus actually does two incredible things. On one hand, Jesus does provide the physical needs of the leper. He does heal the leper. But at the same time, he does something far more than just that. He he provides the needs of his spiritual self, his emotional self. He provides for his relational needs. We see that because Jesus reaches out and he touches the leper. And he says, be clean, and then the leper is made clean. On one hand, Jesus touches the leper because the leper never experienced a touch, a simple touch. We have to remember the leper was casted out of the city, out of the town, away from people, alone and isolated. And Jesus in that moment was repairing his emotional and relational need of intimacy. And yet, when the rest of the world and society pushed the leper out, Jesus brought him in. You know, I'm thankful that we have a God in Jesus who doesn't stay six feet apart from us, who doesn't stay distant from us, but he gets in real close. And he doesn't whisper sweet nothings to us, but he declares his word for our healing. He gets into the mess. He gets into the dirtiness of our lives. He doesn't cast us out and leave us out, but he brings us in. Here in the story... Jesus is transcending all societal and cultural norms by even getting close to the leper. But in order for us to fully grasp what's really happening here, we we have to look back in the Old Testament. Uh, I had mentioned that Lepers were considered outcasts. They they were considered highly contagious and incurable. And so all throughout the Old Testament, uh, Israel, God's people, were given the command that anybody who who had leprosy was was casted out of the town. But in Leviticus 14, where we're given God's sanctions, God's oaths and his laws, um, we're given also a specific detailed instruction of how to cleanse a leper. And it's an entire chapter with, with detailed and specific instructions on what to do as far as cleansing a leper, and and only a priest was able to do the work of this. Uh, But after the work work was done and the priest would tirelessly um, clean the leper, at the end of his cleansing, the leper is commanded to go back into God's tabernacle, God's temple, God's presence, and offer a sacrifice to him. And he was specifically given instructions to offer an unblemished male lamb. Do you see that? Jesus was that unblemished lamb that offered himself as a sacrifice for our cleansing. The leper was covered and full of disease. He was casted out from society and Jesus brought him in. And the leprosy caused him to be alone and isolated, away from people, away from community, away from any contact. He had no relationships, he had no intimacy, he had no sense of value or worth. He was a social outcast, he was economically broken because he couldn't be in the town, he couldn't work. And so he had to rely on the giving of others. He wasn't able to even take care of himself. He was treated as a second class citizen. The leper was yearning for intimacy, but Jesus gave him intimacy and he also cured him of the very thing that separated him from others. Where do you look to find intimacy in your life? We can look at the many people, our friends, our relationships, our families, our husbands, our wives, our children. Wherever we look, we are always discontent. Here in this text, we're seeing that Jesus is the only one that can give us true intimacy. Jesus is the only one that can give us true content. Jesus is the only one that can meet our needs, our physical and our inward ones. So, how does he do it? How does Jesus make us clean? It leads us to our third point. Jesus offers us forgiveness. How does he offer us forgiveness? How does he make us clean? In verses 17 to 26, we, what do we see here? We see that Jesus has the power and authority to, to raise a paralytic and, and heal him, but he also forgives the sins of the paralytic. Now, this story is, is just like how the Pharisees interpret it. Sometimes it can get lost. You see a paralytic coming to Jesus, so you see his physical and outward needs that, are, that need to be met, his physical and outward healing, and yet Jesus, the first thing Jesus says to the paralytic is what? Friend, I forgive you of your sins. As Jesus was, was teaching in front of religious leaders, a group of people who came across Jesus, from hearing the rumors about him, from hearing all his teachings or about his teachings, hearing about all his healing and the miracles he was doing, a group of religious leaders gathered around Jesus. Pharisees, teachers, and scribes from uh, villages from Judea, uh, Jerusalem, and Galilee all came to hear Jesus teach. And here in Luke chapter 5, the Pharisees, the teachers, and the religious leaders all listened to what Jesus is saying. And the news about Jesus had spread, and their ears had perked up. But what they were hearing from Jesus uh, blew their mind. They didn't understand it. They couldn't comprehend it. They questioned Jesus, and they challenged his teaching. They say, what he's saying is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. But what they didn't realize they were doing when they were questioning Jesus is that they were affirming who he is. They were right. Only God can forgive sins. Only God can forgive the sins of man. And so Jesus responds to the teachers and the religious leaders and the scribes. And he says, "Uh, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Here, the main point of what Jesus is saying is that you can't do either. I am the only one who can say, get up and walk. I am the only one who can forgive sins of man because I am God. They question and challenge Jesus, doubting who he is without realizing who he is. And after Jesus had asked him, which is easier, he was saying, you can't do either. And so we have... The paralytic with his friends carrying him into the home that Jesus was at. And the, the paralytic is being carried by his friends. They can't get to Jesus because of the large crowd. So they climb up the house. They tear open the roof. And then they slowly drop the paralytic at the feet of Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but those guys sound like some good friends. And at the, at the feet of Jesus, at, in front of him, the paralytic is not only healed of his immobility, but his sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus sees the fundamental problem of our sin. A lot of times we think that we need an outward, circumstantial healing in our life. But deep down, Jesus knows that the most loving thing and and caring thing that he can do for us is forgive us of our sins. That the chasm that exists between us and God, our creator, exists because of our sin. And so he closes that gap. But how does he do that? Jesus forgives because there is a need for forgiveness. But he doesn't just tell us that our sins are forgiven, he does something about it. He dies on the cross. Jesus heals us and forgives us, doing the very thing that we were unable to do. He's made a way. He's kept his promise. Not because he was required to, but because he chose to. Not because he had to, because he wanted to. Look at the love of Jesus. The calling of Jesus' first disciples, the healing of the leper, the healing of the paralytic... They were all pointing to the pinnacle of Jesus' love and forgiveness on the cross. The accomplishment of Jesus, his salvation, his redemption, his forgiveness, is how he makes us pure. It's how he forgives us for our sins. It's seen at the cross. On the cross, Jesus paid for our forgiveness by offering up his life to be the true and ultimate sacrifice. Jesus, who was the only one who was sinless, the only one who was truly pure, the only one who was truly clean, Jesus, who had power and authority, Jesus, who was deeply intimate with the Father, lost his intimacy so that we can be intimate with God. So that you would be saved, so that you would be forgiven. On the cross, Jesus was paralyzed so that you could walk. On the cross, Jesus was covered in sin so that you would be clothed in his righteousness. Jesus died on the bloody cross by offering himself up as the ultimate sacrifice so that you would be made pure, so that you would be made clean. Do you see that? Friends, trust in the finished work of Christ. The Christian life isn't about us overcoming sin. It's about us being in union with the one who already did. And he did it for you. Briefly, um, some application that I I wanted to kind of share. Um, You know, when we feel paralyzed, when we feel powerless over our sin, when we feel like it's got a grip on us, so much so to the point that we feel like we can't even walk. Jesus not only heals our physical selves, but he he changes the heart. And he touches that deep, dark spot that we thought would never be healed. That empty void that we feel that leads us to our paralyzation. And he gives us the power to walk. That means if you're living in a habitual sin, if you're constantly wondering why you can't change or how do I change, trust in the power of Jesus. Trust in the power of the gospel. Trust in the sufficient work of what he has done on the cross. When we feel covered by our sin, by our shame, by our guilt, trust in that he clothes us in our righteousness. Righteousness. This allows us to be confident in our own skin. We don't have to be so paralyzed and defeated by our past. We don't have to uh, be completely destroyed by the things that we've done and know that the cross and the work of Christ is completely sufficient for your cleanness, for your purity. Friends, you know, as I was looking as i was talking with friends this past week and we we are deeply moved by the different things happening in our country for the past year we are deeply saddened and angry for the things that happened in atlanta this past week and we're able to grieve we're able to vocalize our sadness to vocalize our anger because we have a god that listens But not only that, we have a God who's just, who's the true judge, who's the righteous judge, who not only speaks out against injustice, but he acts on it. And because Jesus is our advocate who experienced the ultimate injustice and he transcended social and cultural norms, then we are able to do the same. In Christ and Christ in us, We can stand up for justice. We can speak out against it while grieving and mourning for all that's been done. So, friends, will you trust in the finished work of Jesus, knowing that it's sufficient, knowing that it has power, and knowing that it has healing? Let's pray.